Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 39 years ago this week, a peace treaty was signed between two small Central American nations. The peace deal came 11 years after a conflict that had three football matches at the heart of it. I'm Connor Pope, and there are no guests on the podcast today. This is a special episode simply telling the incredible story of the 100-hour war, who was in it, how it started, and the role the beautiful game played in ugly combat. This story first appeared in the autumn 2019 issue of 442 magazine. The 1969 World Cup qualifiers between Honduras and El Salvador were remarkable for several reasons. Neither had reached the World Cup finals before. Now the Central American rivals faced off at the semi-final stage on the route to Mexico 1970. It took three matches in the end, home, away, plus a neutral decider, and over five hours of spectacular goals and brutal fouls to separate the two sides. But most astonishing of all, it gave rise to a conflict that claimed thousands of lives a conflict known as the Football War. El Salvador and Honduras share a 180-mile land border, but they weren't friendly neighbours in the 1960s due to territorial disputes and economic tensions. While Honduras is the larger country, El Salvador has a larger population, and for generations Salvadorans had crossed the border seeking land and work. By 1969, Around 300,000 Salvadorans were living in Honduras, and the immigrants were blamed for many of the country's problems. Hondurans felt Salvadorans were taking their jobs, and Salvadorans felt Hondurans were persecuting them. Both countries' media turned up the heat with provocative articles and jingoistic cartoons. By the summer of 69, the situation had reached boiling point. And then... Honduras and El Salvador were thrown together in the semi-finals of CONCACAF qualifying. The winners would face lowly Haiti in the final and surely be at the World Cup in nearby Mexico. Fueled by a mutual hatred, the pair contested the first leg in the Honduran capital on June 8, 1969. El Salvador's players had endured a sleepless night due to home supporters congregating outside their hotel to chant, play music, honk car horns and set off firecrackers. Honduras dominated a tough match but couldn't break down their weary opponents. Then the hosts won a corner in the final minute and following a goal mouth scramble, defender Leonard Wells rifled an unstoppable shot past the goalkeeper 
to secure a 1-0 win. The noisy treatment received by El Salvador's players in Honduras was commonplace in Latin American football at that time, but the international tensions amplified its significance. The Salvadoran press exaggerated the incident and published increasingly inflammatory articles ahead of the second leg on June 15th. Newspapers printed racist sketches aimed at Honduras's black players. Another cartoon showed Honduran forward Jose Cordona, who played for Atletico Madrid and was known as Coneja, the rabbit, being mounted by a giant bunny. When the Honduras team finally touched down in El Salvador, they encountered mobs of angry fans. The atmosphere was so hostile that the visitors decided to cancel training and take refuge at their hotel, which was also surrounded by Salvadorans. To start with, the Hondurans received the typical treatment of songs, music and firecrackers, but gradually things became violent. The crowd threw stones and broke windows before hurling rotten eggs, dead rats and stinking rags through the smashed glass. A homemade bomb landed in one of the players' rooms, but luckily it didn't explode. Fans wrecked traffic lights, cars and telephone boxes. They ripped signs from shop fronts, then broke into the National Post Office next to the hotel and attempted to set it on fire. Police tried to disperse the crowd with tear gas, but rioting lasted until dawn. By then, two young men were dead. One, a Salvadoran, was struck by a rock as he left the hotel. The other, a Honduran, was shot twice outside the post office. The Honduran players travelled with a military escort to the stadium and were greeted by 40,000 supporters, most of them Salvadorans, who stoned the team bus while shouting obscene songs. The home fans booed Honduras's national anthem and burned the ceremonial Honduran flag before replacing it with a dishcloth. El Salvador thumped Honduras 3-0, with Juan Ramon Martinez bagging a brace, including a brilliant long-range volley. But the traumatised Honduran players didn't care about the score. They just wanted to get out alive. As Cordona told Spanish sports paper AS, if we had won that match, we wouldn't have been able to leave. Back in Honduras, furious football fans vandalised the shops and businesses owned by Salvadorans in retaliation for the treatment of their players. They smashed up the Honduran office of a Salvadoran newspaper and chanted for Salvadorans to be deported. A few days later, on June 21st, UPI news agency reported that almost 900 people had fled Honduras to escape the angry mobs of fanatics unleashed by La Guerra del Football. This was the first reference to the football war. Because goal difference didn't count over the two legs, another match at a neutral venue was required. FIFA decided to stage the tie in Mexico, believing it would prevent large numbers of fans from both countries attending. But all flights from both capitals to Mexico City were immediately booked, and El Salvador fans hired two extra planes to fly them to the game. Meanwhile, the diplomatic situation between the two nations reached breaking point. On June 25th, El Salvador President Fidel Sanchez Hernandez declared a state of emergency due to what he described as worsening relations between El Salvador and Honduras after a football game. 
The next day, Foreign Minister Francisco José Guerrero called for action to address what El Salvador's government regarded as the genocide of its citizens in Honduras. In Guerrero's words, Salvadorans were suffering murder, persecution, abuse, personal injury, property damage and massive expulsions. Honduras and El Salvador met once again at the Estadio Azteca on June 27th, surrounded by 1,700 Mexican riot police and in the middle of both a political and a literal storm. Tropical rain soaked the pitch, which was good news for El Salvador. The Hondurans were stronger than us, Captain Pipo Rodriguez told Dieth newspaper. Our advantage was that we played the ball on the ground more than they did, and when it started to rain before the match, that increased our advantage a lot. Once again, Mon Martinez was the man to break the deadlock, before Cardona levelled for Honduras thanks to an incredible overhead kick. Martinez restored El Salvador's lead with a terrific solo run and finish. In the second half, Rigoberto Gomez took advantage of a goalkeeping error to make it 2-2 and send the match into extra time. Honduras lost strength as the game wore on. Pipo Rodriguez converted El Salvador's winner in the 101st minute, sliding in on the slippery ground to poke the ball past the Honduran keeper. Photographers charged onto the muddy pitch and fans waved Viva El Salvador banners in the rain. The Salvadoran and Honduran players shook hands and embraced each other. The game ended with goodwill. However, this harmony did not extend beyond football. Just over two weeks later, on July 14th, El Salvador invaded Honduras. The Salvadoran Air Force launched airstrikes, then the army rolled tanks across the border. But the tiny Honduran Air Force offered strong resistance, shooting down three planes within one day. The battle was primarily fought in the air, with Second World War vintage propeller planes, El Salvador bombing the airport of Honduras's capital, and Honduras bombing the one at San Salvador. Numerous civilian targets were also hit, with many casualties. The war officially ended on July 18th, when the USA-led Organization of American States negotiated a ceasefire. But battles continued, and El Salvador didn't withdraw its troops until the beginning of August. Up to 5,000 people were killed, and more than 15,000 were hurt. The two nations wouldn't sign a peace treaty until October 1980. As it lasted around four days, the conflict was called the 100-hour war, and many in Honduras and El Salvador reject the football war title as they feel it trivialises the event. Some modern commentators have argued that the connection between football and the war was merely a coincidence, although contemporary sources do throw doubt on that. Certainly, other social and economic issues were involved, and the governments and media of both countries used the World Cup qualifiers to exacerbate existing tensions. But there is little doubt that football and the violence accompanying the qualifiers was a catalyst. In the playoff final, El Salvador met Haiti, who had beaten the USA at home and away. But they won 1-0, again requiring a third tie, this time held in Jamaica, and an extra-time winner, and qualified for the 1970 World Cup, where they lost their group games 3-0, 4-0 and 2-0. More than 30 years later, a devastating earthquake hit El Salvador, killing nearly a 1,000 people. 
members of the El Salvador and Honduras teams from 1969 reunited for a charity match to raise funds for those affected. But even in 2001, not every player could forgive and forget. Before his death in 2013, Honduras's Cordona said he would never return to El Salvador. In his own words, he said, I will never step foot in that country in Central America, whose name I don't want to remember. This episode was based on a feature by Paul Brown in the current issue of 442 magazine, available to buy in shops or from the link in the show notes below. You can also subscribe to the magazine for just £9.50 every three months using a special link for podcast listeners, also in the show notes. If you want to get someone a subscription as a Christmas gift, you can even choose whether their first issue arrives before or after December 25th. If you like the podcast, please do give us five stars on iTunes and consider subscribing to it for free. Each week, we try to look deeper into big football stories, just like we do in the mag. The music you've heard is by Howl Griff, also available on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.